Hi again, everybody, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast series presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from the Astro Sports Performance Center, the home of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, the Pelicans are back home finally this week, two games at home, and hoping to snap a six-game losing streak before heading back out on the road next week. But I'll say this, it, it's really good to be back in the building. We were on the road all of last week, as you know, from listening to this podcast, so we'll get a little home cooking here and enjoy. We'll also enjoy this now 7-1 and one start by the New Orleans Saints. The emotional win over the Los Angeles Rams last week have the Saints nearly perfect halfway through the season, but it doesn't get any easier. This weekend, the Saints will take on the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 5-3. and three. The game is in Cincinnati. Weather could be a factor. It will be one of the chillier starts for the Saints all season long. And that brings me to our guest this week, a Hall of Famer, Bill Polian. What a get for us here at the Black and Blue Report. And a long string now of good guests this season on Wednesday. Bill Polian now is at the top of the list. The Hall of Famer has built championship teams, was a Super Bowl champion, and also had the Buffalo Bills, the talk of the AFC back in the 90s. At age 75, Bill Polian is still going. He's an analyst for ESPN and also a color commentator for ESPN Radio's coverage of the National Football League. He was in New Orleans this past week and a part of the call on national radio for the Saints' win over the Los Angeles Rams. It's a great time to catch up with him, not only learn about his thoughts regarding the Saints, the matchup against the Bengals, but his experience as an executive and how it relates to a football team right now in the New Orleans Saints that find themselves at the top of the NFC conversation. Hall of Famer Bill Polian, my guest here today on the Black and Blue Report. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly. Well, I was I was thinking about changing the name of today's show to Two Irishmen, and one of which knows more football than the other, as William Patrick Pullian joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Bill, good to talk to you. So glad you could be with us this week. Well, thank you, Sean. It's great to be with you. The, uh, the interest around the New Orleans Saints has grown from what we've known here locally since training camp to now kind of nationwide. Uh, rightfully so, Bill, in your eyes? Oh, yes, absolutely. No question about it. Um, I think you could see that coming toward the end of, uh, of last season. And uh, then, of course, all of the uh, uh, marvelous things that surround Drew uh, breaking the record was uh, was was terrific and and brought lots of notoriety and then uh, a lot of the nation was tuned to last week's game and uh, they weren't disappointed. You had that game here in New Orleans on ESPN Radio, Bill. Were you were you wowed in any way or did you expect that kind of a performance? Actually, I did expect that kind of a performance, and we said in the uh, in the scene set that if if the Saints could run the ball and prevent Gurley from running the ball and and eliminate turnovers, um, they had a very good chance to win, and that's the way it worked out. So uh, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, rarely am I right in predicting how these things go, but uh, I, I know enough about Sean Payton to know he knows how to win football games, and, and, and that was an outstanding performance. Peek back into his game plan, if you don't mind. Let's talk about maybe the Dennis Allen side first. How did the Saints take care of what is a very formidable Rams defensive front? Uh, well, the, the first thing that they did was make sure that they secured the pocket for Drew. That had to be 
that had to be the factor. And the only guy that got loose was Donald on a couple of occasions. And, and, you know, he's going to do that. He's the best in the game at his position. So um, they did a marvelous job of that. Once you do that, then you have to come up with creative ways to run the football. And they attack the perimeter, which is the weak spot of the Rams' uh, run defense. Uh, they did it with misdirection. They did it with tosses. They did it with different formations, uh, which is the you know Sean's calling card, Sean, uh, Sean Payton's calling card. And uh, and so they were able to run the ball effectively. They were able to play action effectively, um, hitting Kamara in the flat numerous times, getting the right matchups. So it was a magnificent game plan, but it was all keyed on the fact that they wanted to run the ball and limit the Rams' possessions and give their own defense a little rest. So, it, so that worked out perfectly on that side of the ball. And, and, of course, since I have a cold, I mixed two questions into one there. You talked about Sean attacking that. Tell me about Dennis Allen on the other side neutralizing or at least trying to the Todd Gurley, Jason Goff type situation. Yeah, well, he did. They held Goff to uh, uh, Gurley, excuse me, to 69 yards rushing, and that's the key to success. As uh, I believe it was Demario Davis said after the game, you can't stop everything, and if you try to stop everything, you stop nothing. So they decided that they were going to stop Gurley, put the game in Goff's hands, and trust their pass rush and and trust their secondary to make plays, and that's exactly the way it worked out. And even with the great rookie defensive end missing. Uh, Rankins just took over the game in the second half. Uh, and, and not that he's not capable of it, he is. But um, that pointed up some de- some deficiencies with the Rams that hadn't really sort of surfaced before. But Dennis had seen it and created those matchups. And, uh, and, and they adjusted their front, and the linebackers played pretty well, and they not pretty well, very well. And they, uh, they shut the uh, Gurley down. And, and put the game in Goff's hands, and then they were able to get after him pretty well. And, and, and I really, you know, I, I thought that everybody on that front um, played magnificently, really, and, and they were a little bit undermanned. Um, but nonetheless, uh, they, they did a heck of a job. And uh, Trey Hendrickson, I thought, played really well. I hadn't seen much of him prior to that. He played really well. Um, they, the, the New Orleans front dominated the Rams front almost from start to finish. That's kind of the name of the game this day in this day and age of the NFL, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, it sure is. If you if you can't if you can't make a team one dimensional, you have really no chance. And then once you do make them one dimensional and stop the run game, you really do have to get after the quarterback. That's that that's that's why the Rams, did, uh, excuse me, the Saints did what they did to go up and get. The, the magnificent rookie defensive end. I mean, that was a great move in the draft by Mickey and company, Jeff Ireland, and, because those guys are game changers and, and they come along very infrequently and, and quietly, quietly, the Saints have built a really good defensive front seven. Yeah, no doubt. Bill Pullian with us. Let's stay along those lines, Bill. You've built championship football teams. When you look at the New Orleans Saints and what Mickey and Jeff and Sean have done, does this team have what it takes to go all the way in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's better than the team actually that that that, that beat us in the in the Super Bowl in '09. Um, uh, might not be quite as dominant in the secondary, but um, that's only a, a, a might. 
I, I think the front is, you know, front seven is as good or better. Um, and offensively, the two running backs are magnificent. As long as they stay healthy, it, it, it's really, it's going to be really hard to beat them. And typical uh, of, of, of Sean Payton teams, I, I think that, you know, they're getting Benjamin Watson, you know, involved in the passing game more and more, and that's a huge plus. And and then, of course, Taysom Hill, the Swiss Army knife, uh, adds a dimension that didn't exist on that Super Bowl team. So, um, And the kicking game is, 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 is great, including the return game. So, yeah, they do have it all. They, they happen to be, what I think, in the best division in the NFC. So uh, that makes it a little tougher. But um, bottom line, it's, it's really a good team. Are there other players out there like Taysom Hill, Bill, and Sean's just figured out how to use this one, or is is he unique to himself? I think he's unique to himself for a number of reasons, Sean. For one thing, he's a mature man. He, he's not a callow kid. Um, secondly, he's, he's been through a lot in his own personal life relative to injury previously, and so you know, he's hardened by that. He's in many ways, he's a, he's a true pro, even though he's a, a young man in, in, in service time in the NFL. And, and finally, um, he's a guy that comes in without any fanfare. So if he was a, a kid with the, with the, with the same skill set who came in from uh, as a number one draft choice, uh, you know, would, would it be as smooth a transition? Uh, probably not, uh, but his personality, uh, his maturity, um, his his willingness to do anything and everything um, is unique in the game. And then he has the skill set to do it. But I think the other parts of it have to be there too in order for it to work as well as it's working in in, in New Orleans. Hey, Bill, let's talk wide receivers. Let me start with this: Michael Thomas is the offensive player of the week, obviously for his performance this past Sunday. Um, what do you see when you see Michael Thomas play? Well, I see one of the top three receivers in the league. I see a guy with size, uh, speed, moves, separation, quickness, hands, acrobatic ability. Um, he's got it all. And uh, in talking to some of the coaches uh, prior to the game this week, they every to a man, they rave about his work ethic. Um, you could see the talent from the start of his rookie year. Uh, but he's just come on and gotten better and better, and and he's blessed to have Sean Payton put him in positions where you know he's going to win those ma- he's going to win most of the matchups anyway. But uh, uh, Sean puts him in position where double teams can't get to him or can't can't really disturb him all that much, and where he gets favorable matchups, which is mostly any matchup that's one on one. And he, he's a great receiver. There's no two ways about it. He's you know, if there are three top receivers in the league, he's among them, without question. And and along the lines of wide receiver, here here we have news this week, Bill, that they'd like to put something with Michael Thomas, perhaps, working out a couple of wide receivers this week, one of which reportedly is Des Bryant. If Des Bryant were to sign with the New Orleans Saints, what could that look like? What would that mean? Well, uh, if you if you think of Colston, I mean that I don't think Des Bryant maybe is as good as as Colson at his, as when when Colson was at his best, um, 
but that big body um, guy who can win uh, one-on-ones and, and, and maybe go inside and make that critical catch on the slant route in the red zone and things like that, uh, is he still capable of doing it? That's the role that, that he probably would assume. I think Sean's won with a player like that before. I mean, we had to defend Colston, and that was no easy task. So I think that may be what he has in mind. Yeah. Uh, still a favorite here, number 12, that's for sure. Bill, speaking of when you were with the Colts or, or your days in Buffalo or even Carolina, uh, you know, I, I would think that the Saints have got to be sitting here thinking, wow, the first half of the season's gone about as well as we could have asked, but there's still a lot of football to go. Would you share with me a story perhaps of when you were in a similar situation as you think you got what it takes, it's gone pretty well, but yet there's seemingly still a long way to go. Where, can you remember a year and, and, and what you were thinking at, that, at this moment in the season? Well, virtually every year in Indianapolis, except for the first and last. Um, and, and Buffalo, as we became really good, it's all the same thing. It's all the same journey. You go through the first eight, and if you're good and you stay relatively healthy, uh, the odds are pretty good that you're going to come out of that six and two or maybe a little bit better. And that's where the Saints are. And now you get into the second half of the season, and and in, in Dom Capers taught me, and Tony Dungy followed the, the script exactly, break the season into four quarters. Uh, the Saints have uh, come out of the first two quarters blazing, uh, A-plus in every respect. And now you're into the third quarter. And this one, in many respects, is the toughest. Number one, you're now worn down physically and mentally. Even though you're winning, you're worn down. Number two, this is when the media focus really begins to brighten a little bit because baseball's over, the World Series is done with, the break-in period of time in the NFL season is over with, everybody kind of settles into their groove, people know who's good and who's not. And, and so now uh, you get uh, a, a little bit of a headache because if you're a good team because people now come poking around and, wanting stories and things like that. And your day isn't as quite as, as, as placid as it, as it was. And then most importantly, uh, you're going to get injuries. Everybody knows that. And now you must be able to compensate for those injuries. And you're going to have to because of the nature of, of the sport. You only got 53. So all of those young players that, that didn't have to play in the first half of the season are now going to have to play some in the second half. And right. And, and so now for the next four weeks, we're going to be sorting out who has the mental capacity, who has the physical toughness, who has the luck to avoid injury, who has the depth um, to uh, get, uh, you know, to overcome injury and who gets better good teams and well-coached teams get better over these next four weeks. They get markedly better over these next four weeks. And that's why uh, Mickey and Sean are making a move for Des because they think it will help add to that depth and help get, make them better. And then once you hit Thanksgiving, 
uh, one of our coaches, Mike Murphy in Indianapolis, coined, coined this phrase that then becomes the dash for cash. Now you're in the home stretch. And the adrenaline of being in the race at that point will carry you to the finish line. So this is the time when your mental and physical toughness and your resiliency and your depth is tested over these next four weeks. Wow, great insight. That's going to help me watch these games here coming up. And then, as you mentioned, in the dash for cash there, uh, Saints and Panthers will play twice. Won't that be interesting? I know you live in Charlotte, Bill. Should everybody be keeping an eye on Carolina? Is it for real there for the Panthers? Yes, they are for real. Tonight, uh, sorry, tomorrow night is a, is a good test for them uh, because um, they're up against a, a pretty good team. I don't think that defensively the Steelers are what they used to be by a long shot, but um, they're still good, and they're at home, and the home team on Thursday night has a decided advantage. So this is a really good test for them, but I, I don't think there's any question but that they're for real. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, up next for the Saints, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Up in Cincinnati, what are some thoughts that you might have about this Saints-Bengals matchup, Bill? Well, this is a tough game. Number one, the Saints expended a lot of emotional energy in that game last week. Um, you know, it, it was it was real, those are tough games to play, and uh, and they did a great job. But now you're going on the road against a team that's that's really quite good offensively. You may catch a break because it looks as though AJ Green may not be at a hundred percent or may not even play. If that being the case, that's that's huge because he's the the capstone of their passing game, and they're not as good by a long shot without him in the game. But in Joe Mixon, they have a back who's every bit as good as your two. He's dynamic. He can catch the ball. He's he's very much like Kamara, um, and maybe a little bit bigger. And and they have a, a, a third down back in Gio Bernard, who's an outstanding back. And uh, and 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 um, their uh, uh, Tyler Boyd, Boyd, their young receiver, is coming into his own. Um, the big test for them will be how they match up against your defensive front, because I said at the beginning of the show they really showed me something last week. I mean, they 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 talk about an unheralded part of the Saints. It's them, but but they're really really good defensively. Um, the Bengals are always good. Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson, um, you know, Preston Brown is playing exceptionally well at linebacker, and their secondary is, is really solid, and they got a great young rookie named Jesse Bates who stepped in and done a, a really good job at free safety for them. So they're a top-flight defense. If Green doesn't play, that's, that's a really tough loss for them, but they're tough at home in the jungle, and uh, – the Saints are coming off a, 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 a big win, but nevertheless, uh, one that expended a lot of energy. So this is, I hate the phrase, but it, it probably uh, it probably is apropos here. This is the, you know, kind of the classic trap game. But the Bengals are good. I mean, don't, don't be misled by what you hear. Cincinnati fans bellyache and moan all the time about the playoffs and things like that. But this is a, a good team. Yeah, no, it's a part of this brutal stretch that the Saints find themselves in right now. Hey, Bill, do you have a game this weekend? Are you going to get out on the road here uh, in week yeah, uh, 9, 10, Bay whatever this is? for Green Bay and Miami. Looking forward to it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I just saw the Dolphins myself this past weekend. I'll I'll send my notes along to you like you need them. I would appreciate <laughs> it. I'm just working with you. <laughs> It'll be great to get together with you again. So 
Uh, we look forward to that. Hall of Famer Bill Polian here with us. What a treat on this Black and Blue Report. Bill, thank you so much. I'll tell everybody you said hello, and I'm sure we'll see you here soon enough. Look forward to it, Sean. Thank you very much. Thank you.